Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. We're making an ad. Napping ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm -hmm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we are talking about 1995's Tales from the Hood. This was the anthology film that I picked. And here's the thing. I'm very nervous about how this is going to go because I'm going to be totally transparent. This is my favorite anthology film. I feel like it's got some amazing kills. It's got some fun special effects. I think all the stories work. I think the wraparound story is great. And I think that it is still as socially relevant in 2019 as it was in 1995 when it was released, if not more so. What I'm afraid of is A, that both of my co-hosts will disagree with me, and B, that we're going to have a real hard time being funny about such serious subjects. But I have faith in us, guys. I really, truly do. So how about you just break my heart right now? Let me know if you hated this movie or not. I I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't hate it. I personally, and this is like, feel really shitty saying this because of who I am and my entire background. But my only thing is like, it was, it was good. It had a great message. It was deep. I go to horror to avoid those things. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I go to horror just to watch like mindless deaths for the most part. (laughs) Right. That's, and that's really what our show is about. Uh, But um, Brian, was this your first watch? Uh, In many, many years. I watched it way back when, and at the time I was very young, like in high school, very young, but I remember sure. laughing at Matt's like being like, oh, Tales from the Hood, is, it's such a great, you know, explanation of culture and stuff like that. I'm like, no, it's not. And then I watched it. I was like, oh, now that I understand that this is real. <laughs> <laughs> so this was my first watch because Matt has sung this thing's praises for literally like 
the eight the, years we've yeah been the entire time recording. we've been I've almost picked this on so many occasions, but I'm like, we're just not ready. We're not ready for, for well, how heavy and we this also we put a moratorium on anthologies until this month. So, yeah. uh, you know, I I uh, I kept my expectations low. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I think that it's a fantastic film, and I do have a note that even sa- in all caps, how is this still relevant? <laughs> Which yeah. is depressing as shit, but that's just uh, the the reality of, <clears throat> you know, Trump's America. Yeah, um, it, yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things, like I said, it's, it's strange because, especially with the name, you go in with low expectations. You're like, all right, Tales from the Hood. Because you're thinking of, like, Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror, which is just, like, insulting in every way possible. Or Bones. But, yeah, or Bones and stuff. Like, like a, at this time, a lot of, like, black horror was not always the best. You know what I mean? Like, this is around that time of, like, people under the stairs and, like, stuff where it felt very condescending more than But also, you know, people under the stairs was made by a white man who was, you know, I... I will never defend people under the stairs. Sorry, Wes Craven's memory and people that, you know, will defend that movie, Matthew included. Uh, (laughs) I think that that movie is absolute garbage just due to the fact that it, yeah, it feels super condescending. It's like a white savior movie, basically. Of all of the anthology films that we've done up to this point, it's been very easy for me to say, well, this is definitely my favorite and this is definitely my least favorite. But, like, even my least favorite in this one is still very good. Like, it's... Yeah, I don't don't think that I could pick a least favorite in this because they're all strong. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so let's start with the first story. Well, Uh, before we do that, um, let's make a rule uh, and and try to keep ourselves to it so that we don't... So that we aren't offensive because, yeah, we're three white dudes talking about, you know, a, a, a lot of racial issues so no accents okay <laughs> but i'm really good at them hello <laughs> <laughs> so here we go well yeah we'll try our best um but i i am glad that we're finally doing this because i think that there is enough meat on this bone for us to talk about and we can still have fun talking about the the kills and the special effects and stuff yeah like that. oh yeah but we for will sure. we'll try to like not harp too much on social relevance because just watch it you'll I mean, see the social you guys relevance. i'm absolutely terrified yeah. to do this yeah. episode. you'll, yeah, you'll yeah. hear <laughs> you'll that hear might just, do a lot of editing <laughs> yeah i mean you'll just hear in us explaining the storylines how socially relevant some of this still is so let's just say we don't need to re reiterate it listeners will figure it out um but so that gangbanger skeleton at the beginning dude i love it it looks so good it looks so it's such a weirdly captivating intro to this movie is just a skeleton with a joint in its mouth holding a gun and just and it's got a like a uh you know a, a bandana that i don't know what is that is the blue for blood no, maybe i don't uh, Crips. 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 <laughs> sorry Crips. i am um, so fucking white i'm so sorry <laughs> well we'll talk about the whole wraparound thing towards the end but yes the intro is great and i will say that um clarence williams the third is just killing it in these wraparound stories as Mr. Sims. Um, just so like 
quirky and strange and just the way he says the shit like, <laughs> i like how he's like oh the drugs <laughs> that's, yeah. that's my favorite thing. <laughs> but yeah so the basic wraparound story is three people uh show up they're told that there's some drugs that a mortician found and has hidden somewhere in his funeral home um, but as they're trying to get to the drugs, they keep getting distracted by different corpses in the funeral home. And he explains what happened to those people. So we dive into the first story, uh, the Rogue Cop Revelation. Is that their name? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, the names on these are rough. The story starts off with a brand new cop. He's a, he's a rookie uh, and he's riding with three white cops and they pull over someone for what seems like just like a, a regular pullover. Uh, and then it turns out to be kind of like a fictional version of a Martin Luther King or a Malcolm X, um, you know, a, a, someone who speaks out against a lot of corruption, specifically at this point, the corruption of the cops. Uh, and while they keep the rookie distracted, the police begin to beat and eventually kill him and make him look like a hypocrite by shooting him up with heroin so that this guy who was trying to clean up the streets was just as addicted to the drugs on the streets. Uh, and then a year later, that person comes back from the dead with the help of the rookie cop and begins to get his vengeance on all of the police that killed him. Uh, so a few things jumped out at me when I was watching this first thing. And one of the only serious things that I'll mention is that the use of uh, very old jazz and and uh, basically a slave song while he's being beaten up was yeah. haunting. It was absolutely haunting to use that juxtaposition. Um but I will also say this segment is one of the most socially relevant movies where someone gets their head smashed against a tombstone while a zombie holds his cock. <laughs> like We've been having a lot of zombies pulling on dicks lately. <laughs> it's it might be a new favorite trend for me. It's a good trope. Um, but yeah, so the kills in this particular story are fucking fantastic. Like all three of these cops, when they get killed, it is some gooey gory satisfying ends i think that my favorite is the syringe yeah oh my god it made me cringe really hard yeah the the so one of the cops gets crucified onto a spray painting of a cross with syringes and then his whole he has a full body melt as he morphs into the wall oh my god it's so good i don't think that the body (laughs) melt looks great um maybe i'm just uh you know, I'm I'm still remembering how good the body melt from Necronomicon was, but um, I think that it's effective. It's just not, you know, since they did CGI, 1995 CGI. Oh, there's versus, some. Listen, there's some we're, CGI we're in there, there who yeah. is far worse than this one. No, this is one of the better CGI uh, usages. Um, there's also that decapitation, which is. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love the decapitation because I I saw it coming. And even though it's a really cheap effect because they don't actually show anything, you just have the cop's body like come back down into the seat and it's headless. Um, I was still like, yeah, yeah, this counts as a great decapitation scene because you know I'm all about those. Uh, Absolutely. But uh, all in all, I would say if I had to pick a least favorite one, this one might be towards the bottom. Um, just because I, it's it is the it is one of the heaviest ones to watch. It's it like it hurts in my soul to watch this one. Yeah. Oh yeah. But but the kills are really good. So the kills keep me going. But like this one, more like the next two or three are much more satisfying in in the way that 
vengeance is taken out. Well, here's the thing is that I, I have a note that says, I was promised fun, Matthew. This is not fun uh, because it's got the police brutality. And I don't know if you really did promise me fun here. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, 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 never, I think the next two have elements of fun. They're still heavy, but they are way more fun than this one. So let's dive into the second one, which, again, like I said, the stories are terribly named. Uh, but story number two is called Boys Do Get Bruises. Um, which is a much I think that's a better name than the first one. Yeah. Oh, 100 percent. That's probably the worst of the four names. But um, so boys do get bruises is uh, something that I feel like I would have seen on an episode of like Beyond Belief. It's got a lot of like the like it's like almost like a Twilight Zoney type story. Uh, but it's about a kid who keeps showing up at school with different types of bruises and his teacher's really concerned. And one of his classmates tells him that he should draw pictures of everything that scares him and then he can burn them and that will destroy the fear. And there's a part that makes me genuinely laugh where the teacher's looking at all the photos and it's a bunch of monsters. And then it's just the one kid who's been bullying him. And it's like just a really weird cartoon drawing of this kid. And he just goes, yeah, that's Tyrone. (laughs) (laughs) He discovers that he actually has the power to when he crushes the paper of Tyrone, all of a sudden breaking bones. An, yeah. Ambulance pulls up and Tyrone has every bone in his body broken. And that's where we have one of the worst <laughs> actors in the movie, which is the teacher explaining to the main teacher what happens. Yeah. He's like, ah, uh, Matt, Matt, are yeah. you- look, I can't change how the line was delivered, dude. He just <laughs> said it very direct and like his delivery was loud and paced out weirdly as if he was reading something verbatim that was yep. written for him. The, the, the only thing that really bothered me about this segment, and I know it's horror, but listen, if you're going to do a horror, you're going to you're going to make it relevant and have this raw, real feeling to it. If you are a teacher. And you see a kid has bruises and you go up and this kid's really badly bruised. And you're like, Billy, what happened? And he's like, a monster did it. You can't just go, all right, well, if you want to be honest, you know where to find me and then leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Investigate that. <laughs> I mean, he eventually does. Eventually. And, and- <laughs> yeah, he definitely like has a more hands off approach than you would expect. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so then you find out that the monster is actually his, his not stepfather, his mom's, it's boyfriend. His mom's boyfriend, but yeah. the, I do have one question about that because the mom gets painfully close to, um, so the teacher comes over, he gets shit on by a pigeon and then, um, so, and, and that gets the, I, I don't know why, but if I were to get shit on by a pigeon, I would just clean that off of my own jacket, probably not while I'm wearing it. But the the mom, the son's mom, the boy's mom, um, is wiping it off of him, and she gets really close, and it makes you think that she's the monster. But it doesn't make any sense because she would not. Why would you get that close in proximity and almost kiss your son's teacher? when you know that your abusive boyfriend is about to show up. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, and they're like, quote unquote, pseudo romance is not really earned at all in this story. It's not even really necessary in this story. Oh, yeah, it's totally unnecessary. Uh, uh, but David Allen Greer, who is mostly known for comedy, um, almost primarily, yeah. is 
fantastic as this just douchebag. You know what I mean? Like he just walks in and I think the first thing is he says is like, why do I have to open my own door? Like but it's, it, it's not his house. It's it's just this weird like right at, with that line alone, you get like this entitlement that he has. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's you, a fucking prick. You get the vibe of him. And like there's a scene after the teacher leaves where he storms into the kid's room and I I don't know how they did it unless it was just CGI or that the actor was wearing like makeup for the upper piece, but it's the kid's perspective. And on the wall is the shadow of a monster coming towards him. But as the shot progresses and then the person comes into frame, it's a person. Mm-hmm. And it's like a very, it's such a cool little effect of showing like the kid's perspective versus reality in that one really was continuous the best shot. Part about this whole, I think that the whole setup of the story, it was it was predictable, but really clever the way that they juxtaposed reality with the kids' reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we get into the roughest part of this story, which is the fight, because the fight choreography is a little rough. <laughs> it's it's just kind of like I'm gonna move my hand a little bit, and we're we got to cut because <laughs> we don't know how to do like the throw punches. So let's just cut as quickly and awkwardly as possible to like not show that we don't know how to choreograph a fight properly. Um, but it leads to my favorite ending of the stories, personally, which is that they just start twisting up the paper, and it looks so silly, but it still kind of works for me. Just the I way that it. like the arms are bending and his yeah. whole body's twisting. And I, I, I always love a, oh, like it's very much uh, the Black Knight in Mighty Python, the Holy Grail, when he's missing all of his arms, but he still wants the fight. <laughs> where David Allen Greer is just a giant pile of broken bones, holding a frying pan, and he goes, "This shit ain't over, bitch." <laughs> and it's, like, and it's it, I love it. And then they set him on fire, and and I guess they run away. Apparently on television. And this is really, really weird on the if they air whenever they would air this on TV and it was edited for TV, for some reason, they couldn't show the charred up body in the casket. Oh, in the casket. So they just put the little boy in the casket. What? And it's like, that, that doesn't makes, make that, sense. That's and that's super opposite. depressing. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is the most hopeful of all four stories. And you just ended it on like the saddest possible thing. It's like they burned up the monster. And then the boy just died unexpectedly. Yeah. Like, I don't, that one didn't. You can work even do me. the teacher. Like, you could do anybody except the little boy. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make a lick of sense. But, uh, not a lick. Not oh, a lick. Uh, that, that line that you loved and, um, the other teacher saying, <laughs> I, I, I see it. Uh, it's, boy must have had weak bones. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he's just like I've never seen anyone fall down the stairs and break, and break both, both arms, their arms and, and legs. Yeah, like it's just not. Yeah, he's not a good actor, but you know he's there to deliver two lines. He did his job. Uh, <laughs> might be my favorite of the stories though, I because that's the one I have the most nostalgia for. I remember that story most vividly. Uh, we move on to story number three, which is called KKK Comeuppance. This one is this is fucking Puppet Master. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I actually have a line that says, "What Puppet Master is this?" Yeah, this is my this one I like the most. It was just fun. Yeah, it's it's you know a a super blatantly racist politician living in a uh, plantation where a lot of terrible things happened to slaves a couple hundred years ago, and people are rightfully upset and protesting, and they keep saying that the dolls are going to get him, 
and uh, and they you do find and, yeah, and they do. There's a giant mural of a woman who basically. I believe what they said the legend was was that after everyone was killed, she made doll bodies for them, uh, and that's where the souls of those slaves lived. Uh, and it's got this really cool reoccurring theme of random dolls missing in the mural, and that's yeah. when they show up. And there's this fantastic reveal where he thinks that he's killed one of the dolls, and then he walks into the room, and it's just you're following the camera as it pans past him, and the entire mural is empty now. And you're just like, oh, man, shit's about to go down. <laughs> um, but this is the one that has the least, like, meat on its bones. It's basically just watching this dude get his comeuppance for a good 20 minutes of just puppets just ripping him apart and biting him and attacking him and dope-ass special effects, like some shoddy stop motion that would make Chucky Band proud. Some some it real looks green like dolls. screen. Yeah, it's some real green screen effect going on in there. Uh, but I love it. I love a good stop motion doll movie. <laughs> yeah, I, this this one is the most Matt Kelly of the segments, in my opinion. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, but, but yeah, I this is the thing about this. Um, man, I, I I would never be able to be an actor because as a white guy, uh, you know, th- there's going to be a time in your career where they're like, hey, you need to be racist as fuck and say the N word a bunch and then have a shit eating smile and i wouldn't be able to do it like this movie is just this movie is so hard to watch as a white person because you're like oh those guys still said that i know it's acting but they they said all these horrible things and yeah and in the first connect uh the first story they keep referring to the the rookie cop as boy i think and yeah that's such a slave thing you know like it's really it's it's weird and i feel like the only because i think of like someone like sam rockwell who's had to do this twice now in the last two years um wait what did sam rockwell do so there was best of enemies that he did and he also did uh three billboards outside of uh whatever that long title is such a Um, great movie yeah, but in both of those movies, he plays like the catalyst of the racism of the South, um, who eventually like sees the error of his ways. And like, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like the only way that like someone like, like if it was me, like the only way that I could get through it was like knowing that it's a necessary evil to tell a story that hopefully will change some other minds. You know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't want to do this. But if, like, just one person who's a racist piece of shit has some type of aha moment and stops being a racist piece of shit because of this movie, then I guess it's worth it. Okay, so that makes sense. So the, we'll jump to the last story. Um, probably my least favorite in a lot of ways, but there's still some, like, really heavy moments in it. Oh, I liked is, this one. Yeah, Hardcore Convert. Um, the scene, so it's it starts off with uh, basically just a gang member pulling up and killing somebody and getting chased down by three other gang members uh, shot. And then the cops show up, kill the the three guys who shot him. He's still alive. And they put him into like a hyper intense rehabilitation. Um, it's, it's virtually the it's hood Captain version America. of, uh, I was going to say the hood version of a clockwork orange. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, gonna say okay. it's- I was, I was thinking Captain America because when they put him, they strap him down and they intubate him. And then they like basically, 
you know, spin him around for for uh, however. I was like, this is the weirdest Captain America su- superhero serum I've ever seen. No, I think Brian's right. It's definitely way more Clockwork Orange. They're forcing him to watch. Um, oh, the violence! Yeah, you know, all right. the violence. And, and are those real? Are those real pictures? I think so. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, I think so. That is super sure. dark. That's like the most, that's the darkest part of this whole movie, I think. Well, there's that scene with the right, white supremacist that they lock him up next to. Mm. Oh, and that guy is super hard to. Yeah. And that scene is so heavy, though. Like yeah, that scene like, hits guys so hard. What color were they? And they tap into that a lot. There is, there's so many pieces of cinematography that I really think are cool in this movie. And the one for me is they're in an elevator and it's a weird oh, type of can, industrial. It's like, the the it's lights behind it yeah yes. it creates like a skull behind him and it's Super such cool. a there's just every aspect of this movie is so very clearly thought out um and that's why i still say it's probably you know the movie we talk about next week is the only other movie that i think comes close to being an anthology film that is from front to end so fully fleshed out and realized what it is uh but yeah this one's super heavy he has to basically come face to face with the ghosts of anybody that he's killed intentionally and unintentionally. The little girl is a very upsetting scene. He's like, the bullets don't have a name or something like that. Or Yeah. And yeah. basically he's given a chance to, to apologize and forgive himself and he refuses. And that's when they transport him back to the very beginning of the story. And he just dies. Uh, it was like, a, you know, it's depicted as this is your chance. You can either survive this killing and change your life, or we're just going to let the killing happen. Um, which again is a very like black mirror twilight tales zone bleak. Yeah. Tales from the crypt. Like it's bleak, it's heavy. And that bleeds right into our wraparound story where the three guys that killed him are the three guys that are coming in to get the drugs, the it's shit, in the coffins, the coffins. <laughs> um, and then it's revealed that they did not survive, uh, the retaliation from the killings and that they are now in hell. And this is where some of the worst CGI happens. Oh, it's so bad. But I still love the twist. Like, I love... Because, again, it's... This in the hands of literally anybody else would have completely failed. But Clarence Williams III is so over the top. Like, he is is that outrageous factor that you need to make this twist work. Um, it's like... Welcome to hell, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, it's like, so, it's so good. Second favorite way that someone says welcome to hell in a horror movie, my first favorite, <laughs> is in Halloween 4 when the chubby security guard that being opens the door to the asylum and he goes, welcome to hell. Yeah. <laughs> he goes... He uh, sorry. He also says this ain't no funeral home, and it ain't the Terra Dome neither. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's just. I'm like looking at IMDb for just some of the quotes, and he he just kills it every time. Like he every time I put this movie on and I see him, I'm just like, yep. I I remember how much I love his performance in this movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hated the ending. <laughs> like it's I like the idea. I, I, I like the idea of the ending. It's just uh, I'm I, I'm not charmed by '90s special effects. Oh no, they're oh, not. No listen, one is. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're great. I I mean, listen, the acting of these three actors who are just kind of shimmying to represent being burned. 
Oh, it's so fucking great. Yeah, like it's not it's not well done. Like this is this is equal to the hell scene in fucking Bill and Ted's bogus journey, which was the worst part of Bill and Ted's bogus journey. <laughs> I think that's and that's upsetting to Bill and Ted's bogus journey, and I didn't even like rewatching that for Patreon. So, uh, Brian, do you remember a little film that you picked called Killjoy? Yes, yes, that was so, not charming either. <laughs> oh, just remember, because I can't forget that you picked uh-huh. <laughs> Just remember, because we're never forgetting. Uh- Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. We're making an ad. Napping ads. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. (laughs) So um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the ad. ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. So, all right. So this is uh, the point in the show where we talk about our double features. Uh, So I'll go first since this was my pick. Um, and my double feature uh, is kind of cheating. I tried to avoid other anthology films for my double features, but this one I kind of had to pick, which is 1972's Tales from the Crypt, um, which has almost a very similar wraparound story. It's a group of people are in a cemetery. They don't know why. They go down into a crypt, and each one of them tells a story and at the end, it's revealed that at the end of all of the stories that they told, they died and that they were now in the afterlife. Um, 1972? So just, yeah, it's it mm. was the first adaptation of the EC comics. Mm, cool. It's it's whatever. It's a Hammer film. It's as good as a That's Hammer. That's why I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all right. I probably still wouldn't have seen it had not uh, Scream Factory put that and Volt of Horror on a double disc Blu-ray a couple years ago. Mm. And it was like both of them for like twelve ninety nine. I was like, all right, oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, that. Like, yeah. I was like, all right, I'll buy that. Uh, I, mean, right, it, you- I will. As much as I don't love Hammer films, um, they're kind of a really nice visual background. If they have a style to them that I like. Yeah, they're they're boring as shit in my opinion, but they look cool. Yeah. All right. One of you. I'll go next. Nice. Uh, I, I'm glad that you picked an anthology because I wanted to do something that isn't a regular movie movie and say a couple of the new Twilight Zone episodes 
would okay. be oh, a really call um because jordan peele like I, I i was originally thinking oh like maybe us because you know we could talk about modern black excellence in film yeah but i don't really i mean i liked us but i don't know if i would be ready to rewatch it now yeah us us is weird because i remember when we did the episode about it i was like you know what i almost think that this might be better than get out Mm, um no. but i but I rewatchability feel like the... wise i think get out has more but that's, i also that's i think what I was that gonna say. get out I... would be get out and tales from the hood would be a pretty punishing double feature as a white guy <laughs> um <laughs> so enough, yeah so i would actually say you know pick any two episodes of the uh new twilight zone i'm gonna completely wash myself of it I'm going to wash that and be like, wow, I didn't have fun watching that because that was too heavy. But I'm going to do a uh, a good old Clarence Williams double feature and I'm going to put on Maniac Cop 2. I did not think that that's what you were going to pick when you said that. And I thought for sure you were about to watch Half-Baked. Yeah. <laughs> I was, honestly, I was like, should I say Half-Baked or I'm going to get you, sucker? And I'm like, I'll I want to talk to Samson. Climbing <laughs> <laughs> to the moon up above. Man, I fucking loved Half-Baked in high school. It Man. was such a good good movie it's it's still infinitely quotable to me <laughs> but oh, yeah. i don't think i'd ever rewatch it i just think that 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 needs to stay in the past it's not like super troopers which i could watch any day yeah oh, super troopers and that's what's so weird about those guys i don't understand how you can accidentally make two such funny movies and then everything and then else is struggle so bad. With, yeah just yeah. struggle with every other aspect of your career yeah <laughs> um although jay seems like um, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm not going to insult him by doing it. Uh, but Jay, like as a director of like TV shows, is really funny. He pops up on a lot of podcasting; is really funny and charming. Like I think that he's the most naturally gifted of that group. But I think that that's mm -hmm. also why he's the one that's broken off the most from that group yeah. and done his own thing. Yeah. Whereas like all the other guys, it's very rare that you see any of those other guys do a movie where at least one of the other people from their crew is with them like i think they yeah. rely a lot on each other where jay can actually just be his own entity um so what did you guys watch recently or read recently or whatever that was particularly uh exciting i will give mine first which is that i am almost done reading paperbacks from hell and it's a really really great captivating book about the fucking crazy paperback horror books that came out in the 70s and 80s <laughs> Okay. Has, uh, has Kyle read it yet? I'm sure he has. He has to have. But well, yeah, I mean, well, the, the reason why I ask is not for you guys know, but I want to tell the listeners that go on uh, Instagram or Etsy and um, Horror Finds. That's that's the name of that's the yep Horror Finds. They're sending me a copy of the be uh, the being on VHS any day now. Well, most most what he does is is paperbacks, paperbacks, yeah. paperback horror um, from the 70s and 80s. And um, even if you don't collect that stuff, follow the account. There is some amazing cover art that he shares. I mean, and it's also our boy, Kyle. So give him some support. But go ahead. Continue on with what you were saying. That, I mean, that's basically the, the worst part is the worst part about this book was that it sold well enough that there became like a collector's market for these paperback books. And now they can be very expensive. I think that's uh, a good thing. I don't think it's that's a, good, a bad thing. It means it's a people good have thing. Interesting, like interesting that's, collections. 
that's true. It's just a bad thing for like my wallet when I see one of those books and I'm like, ooh, I do kind of want to read this. And then I try to find it and it's like $70 on Amazon. I'm like, well, I don't want to read it that badly. Well, if if it's any consolation, um, you know, we all have our vices. I am still waiting to find a copy of Chopping Mall for less than 80 bucks on VHS. So, you know, everybody has everybody has their cross to bear, my friend. Yeah, that's I mean, I've got the last three Crestwood monster books to get to have the full set. And uh, and those last three are the most expensive ones. And that's where it's becoming difficult because it's like I think it's $80 used for cop their release for uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. And I'm just like, oh, that was a good one, too. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just not there yet. Just not there yet to buy that book. <laughs> I'm not financially stable enough to buy a $80 children's book. Exactly. One day, maybe. One day we'll sell a TV show pilot or I'll successfully make a documentary and first purchase will be that book. So, uh, I mean, maybe Kyle can explain to you that you don't make money making a documentary. But I, oh. but you get your foot in the door. <laughs> maybe sure. You, but anyway, uh Either one of you guys go ahead next. Well, since Scott just made that comment about not making money shooting a documentary, I think it's funny because it's true. And I will go next with Mayan. I want everyone to check out this book. It's called Bread and Bullets. Um, It is about this guy, Rosario Leota, um, who he was a small time baker and he turned his uh, company into like a multi-million dollar company uh and he ended up getting a shakedown one day from some guy that was about to be his partner and he shot him uh and killed him and this was right before florida passed the stand your ground law so he served 15 years in prison damn and when it came out like it was kind of like you just shot this guy blah 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 no one really believed the fact that this guy that he feared for his life it turned out that this guy was a mob hitman um that recently killed another big business owner and he was connected to the uh i think gambino crime family why i'm telling you this and why i want you to read it is this guy owns a pizza shop that i go to we just had a conversation this came out he gave me his book and i'm shooting a piece on it next month awesome Um, yeah i'm super excited for it nice yeah. I hate the fact that both you motherfuckers are like, these are the books that I am currently, you know, interested in telling our listeners about. And I'm like, guys, I watched Satanic Panic and I loved it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I, I am a college educated adult man and I never talk about anything literary and I feel like a dumb shit for it. I don't you do talk really about literary read, things yeah. sometimes. You read comic books. Yeah, you read <laughs> Oh, that makes it better. <laughs> you read more than I do. I read this just because I Yeah, it's a joke. Because you got him. some beats. Ex- exactly. I need to know like what direction I wanna go. So I want all the details to be like, okay, focus on this, talk about this, get shots of this. But that's awesome. I think that that's super cool that it's that you're doing research for a passion project I, I but i'm just like yeah i watched a i watched a horror movie and i really enjoyed it <laughs> I, just, I also but i do like that i didn't even think about this until scott pointed out we made fun of brian so badly for how much he needed a beats when he was in jersey but a beats got him a job so <laughs> well a job pays <laughs> <laughs> that's why i said passion project i know yeah. All right. Well, that is Tales from the Hood. I think that uh, we did a, a decent enough job trying to get through, through something without more it being serious. Offensive. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, not try to do it again anytime soon, but I'm glad that we did it. Uh, 
and we will be back with our last anthology film. Um, and we promise Halloween. that we will make you laugh. We will make you laugh and chuckle and all types of other things uh, that happen when you listen to our show, hopefully. All right. Bye. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. We're making an ad. Napping ad. This is where I think if we're doing it right, Alec Baldwin comes in. He says a couple things. Mm. He listens to the podcast every week. Has he been canceled? Was Alec Baldwin the one who killed somebody? I hear that Gary Sinise is free. Oh, okay, great. He hasn't worked since 2020. <laughs> so, um, what would be the script that we would have Gary Sinise say for the Napping Through Happy Hour podcast? Listen to this damn show. Damn it. The <laughs> Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sinise. That's the That's ad. The That's the ad. That's the ad. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.